Well, as uh, most of you are aware, over the last few weeks, we've considered the following subjects. We've talked about the depth and the breadth of the work of Satan, his servants, and his slaves. We've talked about the undeniable and historic connection between drugs and the true occult. We have two subjects still to cover, the full nature of the danger of drug usage and the one and only remedy. And this afternoon in our time, we want to sort of transition from the undeniable and historic connection between drugs and the true occult and begin to talk about the full nature of the danger of drug usage. And so we're going to try to make that a smooth transition. Now, to properly get a handle on what the Bible has to say about drug use and abuse, one has to have, first of all, an understanding of the meaning of magic in the biblical context. In his classic work, T. Whitten Davies, he wrote a book called Magic, Divination, and Demonology Among the Hebrews and Their Neighbors. A very uh, awesome title there. He defines magic as this the attempt on man's part to have intimate interaction with spiritual and supernatural beings and to influence them for his benefit. So that's his definition of of magic. Now, we have to understand when he gives us that definition that he's not referring uh, to the term as we think of it in much of our culture today. Uh, Remember, he's explaining what it referred to in the times of the Hebrews. He's not talking about the card trick that Uncle Frank does with the kids when he comes to visit. Um, He's talking about the use of the word in its biblical context. And if one tries to equate what he's saying with the entertainment provided by magic shows so that they can dismiss this conclusion... And there are people who say that, oh, you think magic is bad, and all it is is just sleight of hand and so on. So they put it in that extreme character and say, so we don't even have to listen to you because of what you're saying about magic. Anybody who's doing that, if if that's the ploy they're using, they're disingenuous because we're not talking about magic in that context. We're talking about it in the context of the Bible and how it was understood in biblical times and the usage we find in the scriptures. Now, the Jews, prior to the captivity, indulged in this pagan practice of using drugs is clear. And the fact that drugs were involved in their worship uh, is undeniable. Um, It is apparent in passages like Micah 5.12, Seems like a a strange place to go to another minor prophet for a a comment like this. But you see it incidentally here in Micah 5.12. The Lord is speaking and he says, I will cut off sorceries. I will cut off sorceries from your hand and you shall have no more tellers of fortunes. And I will cut off your carved images and your pillars from among you and you shall bow down no more to the work of your hands. And I will root out your Asherah images from among you and destroy your cities. Now when you go back to that word sorceries, 
it's associated in the Hebrew with a pale, limp state of being induced by the use of drugs. And you see that state exhibited by drug abusers all the time, from the spaced-out weed smoker to the zombie-like creatures addicted to fentanyl and other hard drugs. You see it in the extreme in the hard drugs. You see them walking about, and they are pale. They have no strength. They're, 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 they're empty, practically, people. But you also see it in, in lesser use as well. And the Lord is saying, I'm going to cut that out of you. I'm going to cut that away from you. And he's going to do that by reviving them and, and bringing them into a, a different state of service and love towards him through the captivity. But he's telling them that's part of what he is going to cut off. And it's interlaced with all of this pagan worship that you see described here. In 2020, the BBC, the British Broadcasting Company, was reporting very happily and proudly um, the evidence of cannabis use in the cult temples in ancient Israel. Uh, analysis of the remains surrounding some altars uh, throughout the area showed evidence of this. They were able to go back and, and, and go through the ashes where these altars were, and, and they were to, able to analyze what was there. And the analyzing of those things uh, showed evidence of the use of cannabis and other drugs. And such findings, as is the case with the BBC even, those findings are seized on by those who promote drug usage, and, and marijuana in particular, as evidence that these things have always been of use in religious worship, even the worship of Yahweh. And they say, here's the evidence. These are Jewish altars. This is where the Jews were, were worshiping. And here, in the worship of Yahweh, they were using uh, these drugs. Now, the problem is, of course that these cult worship sites were despised by God and ordered destroyed again and again by him. What they try to say is, well, this wasn't probably going on in Jerusalem, but up in this area where they had this altar on top of a mountain, well, there they were doing it, so it, it must have been okay. And the Lord again and again condemned those cult altars that were scattered out and about. And the efforts to make this seem like a good thing, I think, are suspicious at best and uh, really not warranted. So, in brief, we have four types of people to keep in mind here as we begin talking about this in the biblical context. You have the witch, wizard, sorcerer. And, you know, it almost seems ludicrous to talk about those things in this context, but we need to, because this is the way they're described in the Bible. The witch, wizard, sorcerer. And then you have the people who are seeking them and their powers out. There are people who are going to these sorcerers in order to tap into their powers so that they can get control over other people. And it's often presented to us in innocuous form, you know. Um, you have a young woman who her heart's just 
panting after a young man. And so she goes to the sorcerer to get a potion that will make him fall in love with her. And what you, that, that is the sterilized version of the story. She goes to the sorcerer to get a drug to somehow influence that person. That's what she's doing. To drug him. That's what she's after. Or, I don't like my wife and I like another one. I'd like a potion so that I can eliminate my wife. That's called poisoning. And that's also what these sorcerers did. So you have to think of it as it really is. So there were people seeking them out and seeking their powers. Then there were a third group. They were worshipers trying to find a way to make the gods real to them. They, they had no sense of the realities of these images. Um, they had their little icon or idol, I should say, in, in, their, in their family altar, and it was there, and they burned incense to it, and they, they said prayers to it and so on. But when they looked at it and, and really considered it, it was just a piece of stone or a piece of wood, and it wasn't anything to them. Well, then they'd go out for one of the corporate times of worship, and it's a log cut into the form of some figure, or it's a meteorite that fell to the ground. And they're looking at it and saying, this is God? There's got to be more to it than this. And the sorcerers or the priests would say, well, there is. Here, take a whiff of this. Or here, take a drink of this. And when you do, then you'll be able to come into contact with these things and they'll become real to you and then you had just the purely sensual people who were seeking out pleasure and the high that the drugs produced they were involved in these cult worship uh, orders but they weren't looking really to worship anybody they were just looking to have some pleasurable experience and so they indulged in these things to get that result So you've got those four things going on here in in culture and society in relationship to these sorcerers, witches, or wizards. Now, for our purposes, we want to make a careful distinction between those using drugs for the direct purpose of contacting and interacting with the occult and those who have no such ambition, who are merely seeking what they would call a recreational experience. They're not really trying to contact the occult. They, they don't even believe that there's any connection between their use of drugs and the occult. And there is a difference here in regards to intent. And we have to keep that in mind. Because we don't want to say that everyone who gets involved in drug use is trying to get involved with the occult. But I would say to you that everyone who's involved in drug, drug abuse, the cult is trying to get into them. It's not their intention, but it's the enemy's intention to use that in that direction. The potential for danger, whether you're doing it recreationally or because you do want to get in touch with demons, the danger is the potential for danger is the same. It really is. The scripture doesn't say in vain that 
can a man carry fire next to his chest and his clothes not be burned? Now, it's talking about that in the context of adultery, but that's just one example of sin. You can't carry sin next to your chest and not be burned. You can't carry what is inflaming and not be burned by it. Now, most Christians are aware today that the Greek word associated with witchcraft in the Bible is the word that we have come to use to describe drugs or pharmaceuticals and all the various forms of that word. Pharmaceuticals, pharmacy, pharmacist, all those things. That Greek word is found in the New Testament in several different contexts, and it is uh, found in the Greek translation of the Old Testament called the Septuagint. So there was a time when, uh, as Hebrew was um, becoming less uh, well-known, that the determination was made among the Jews to translate the Old Testament in Hebrew into Greek. And when they did that, they brought this word, pharmakon, with them into the Old Testament and used it to translate several Hebrew words there. Now, as we think about this, we want to be careful to realize that it is used in this way because the word refers to something more than just drugs. We want to understand that. In our minds, we think of pharmacy and it comes drugs. The reason we have to come to grips with this is because, again, critics come along and they say, well, that's not the only meaning of the word. So therefore, it doesn't have anything to do with drugs. That's not the case. It does have to do with drugs. But the meaning of the word is broader than that. So if you look in Revelation 9.21, I think it's there in your notes, there in that passage, John writes, nor did they, talking about those who were lost, nor did they repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. You see the things there? They didn't repent of their murders, their sorceries, or their sexual immorality, or their thefts. And Strong's lexicon defines the word in that context in this way. Being from pharmacon, medication, pharmacy, that is, by extension, magic, literal or figurative, sorcery, or witchcraft. So, that's what's being spoken of there in that passage. They're, they're using witchcraft. And that's how the word is used there. Um, it also says, Strong's, that pharmacon refers to a drug. That is, spell-giving potion. A druggist, a pharmacist, or a poisoner. So, if you're talking in Greek about a poisoner... You might call him your pharmacist. I went to the pharmacist to get a poison, because that's where I get it from, my poisoner, the pharmacist. Now, don't get the wrong idea. We're not saying here that all pharmacists are poisoners. We're just seeing the association it has in the historical context. And so it goes on to say, a druggist, a pharmacist, or poisoner, that is, by extension, a magician, sorcerer. You see how the two are tied together here? This use of drugs and the sorcerer. They, they go hand in hand. 
A.T. Robertson, the noted Greek scholar, adds this. He says, Pharmacon was originally enchantment, as also in Revelation 21.8, as we saw it, and then it came to apply to drugs. In his note on Revelation 18.23, so a little further down, we read this, Revelation 18.23, And the light of the lamp will shine in you no more, and the voice of bridegroom and bride will be heard in you no more. For your merchants were the great ones of the earth, and all the nations were deceived by your sorcery. And he says this, By your sorcery, that's the instrumental use of an old word to prepare drugs from pharmacon. In New Testament, only here and Galatians 5.20, for sorcery and magical arts. If one is puzzled over the connection between medicine and sorcery, as uh, illustrated by this word, our pharmacy, he has only to recall quackery today in medicine, patent medicines and cure-alls, witch doctors, professional faith healers, medicine men in Africa, and so on, using whatever they need to do to bring about what they're trying to accomplish. So it's that idea of the word. The sorcerer is the one who is using drugs or whatever to bring about the deception that he desires. And I think it's worth looking at to see how this word backtracks. Um, That is, it was first associated with occult activities and then came to refer to the drugs used by those who practiced such things because they were so much a part of it. They were such a common part of occult activity that the two words eventually just became synonymous. So much a part of pagan worship in the occult world that they just became words that were interchangeable. The sorcerer or the drugger. They were, they were either the sorcery or the use of drugs. They were interchangeable in that way. Now, with that background, let's start where we first encounter this concept in the Bible and <clears throat> follow it down uh, through these final passages. And we won't get into the final passages this afternoon, but we'll at least get a start here. So we begin with Exodus 7.11. Same famous scene. All you children are familiar with this scene. Moses and Aaron have met with Pharaoh, and to demonstrate their warrant in the name of God for the Egyptians to release Israel, they've thrown down their rods. And what did they become? They became asps or serpents, right? And then we read this in Exodus 7.11. Then Pharaoh summoned the wise men and the sorcerers, the druggists, and they, the magicians of Egypt, also did the same by their secret arts, by their sorcery. Now, consider the classes of men that are mentioned here. First, you have wise men. These, says Bush in his commentary, were those that practiced magical arts and incantations from their being supposed to know more, to be wiser than the mass of men. So they knew these secret incantations that they could invoke. And of course, again, we have to have a practical view of this. 
This man is in a context where he's invoking his secret incantation, and over here in a laver is burning a drug that's altering the minds of those who are hearing it. And so it seems to have some sort of power, uh, the, the, the same incantation, but actually the drug is enhancing that impression. Then come sorcerers, and again, Bush defines these as those who used enchantments for magical purposes, equivalent to sorcerers, jugglers, wizards, conjurers by drugs. So you see a wide range here of explanation, but they were conjurers by drugs. And then finally, he mentions magicians here, and uh, coming out of Egypt. And Bush says, it is here evidently used in a general sense, comprehending under it the wise men and the sorcerers mentioned above, from whom the magicians were not a different class. The Greek renders the term variously by interpreters or explainers of something secret, enchanters, and drug sorcerers. That's the way it's described, says, says Bush. So in the term secret arts, which comes at the end of Exodus 7:11, you should read there sorcery or more carefully occult practices. So they call in those who are in touch with the occult, these sorcerers. And both the term sorcerer in this verse and the term secret art are forms of pharmakon, the Greek word pharmakon, in the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Hebrew. So what do we see here? What's going on here? Well, those associated, and deeply so, with the occult practices and worship activities are being brought in by Pharaoh for what purpose? What is the design? The design is to mimic the power of God. And they do so successfully. So that's the design. What is this? What are these druggers who are sorcerers? What is their aim? To mimic the power of God. Now, they did that successfully, but we also know that the power of God was greater. But I don't think, if we look at this passage and consider it carefully, that Pharaoh's motive in this matter was to show that his sorcerers could do the same thing that Moses did. I think his motive here was to show that Moses could do the same thing his sorcerers did. And so Moses was nothing more than a sorcerer like these men who used sleight of hand and everything else in order to bring about trickery. So Moses comes and says, you know, the Lord's called on me to do this, throws he and Aaron throw down their rods, they turn to serpents, and Pharaoh says, Well, they can do this too. So who are you? Why should we follow you? Now when we think about Verse 12 is next, Exodus 7, 12. Each man of Pharaoh's magicians and, and sorcerers cast down his staff and they became serpents. 
But then Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs, we know. But when they cast down their rods, that is the magicians, was that a miracle? Was that a miracle performed by demons? The Bible really doesn't teach anywhere that Satan and his minions can perform real miracles. It's not within their ability. So what does that tell us? That what they're doing, they're doing by deceit. They are mimicking, they are pretending, they're using drugs to give the impression that they have powers that they don't really possess. The whole work of these men and any women who adopted their craft was illusion, deception, sleight of hand, enhanced on some occasions by the use of drugs. So servants of the occult employed drugs, among other things, to give the impression that they could accomplish things normally only associated with the power of God. And it enhanced their power and diminished the evidence of God's power. Now, we're going to have to stop there because of time um, this afternoon, but let me just bring it down to this. Seeing that evidence, uh, that that's what they're involved doing. The reason I, I wanted you to look at this passage is because what we're trying to get to is a further manifestation of what's going on in the occult world and the proliferation of drugs in our society. And if you have at the heart of occult, of the occult world, the, the heart of the deceivers there, the heart of Satan, if you have that desire to, on the one hand, give the impression of great power and to diminish the view of God's power, you're actually hitting at the very heart of what people perceive and how they react. <coughs> so rather than looking to God, who's nothing more than the sorcerer, they look to the sorcerer who is providing for them. And the place where <coughs> this comes into play <coughs> very strongly, excuse me, is when we think about the degree of deception that's coming into the world, that is coming. And if you can get a society that is drugged to the point where it can be influenced by these things, either by impression or by that stupefied state, you are moving them away from the worship and the service of the one true and living God. And that's what's behind what Pharaoh is doing, and it's what's behind what his magicians are doing. They are undermining the worship of Jehovah. That's the whole point of bringing in and throwing down their rods and having them turn to serpents too. Jehovah's nothing more than this. So why should he be worshipped? And that's why when you come down after the giving of the law in Exodus twenty-two eighteen, 18, 
The Lord says, you shall not permit a sorcerer to live. Because if you let that sorcerer live in your midst, he's going to draw your people away from the whole first table of the commandments. Because that's what he's doing. You're going to have other gods. You're not going to worship the Lord alone. You're not going to honor his name. They're going to, he's going to, the, that deception that the sorcerer brings will bring you out of the covenant. It'll, it'll draw you out of it. The covenant that you've made with God, that you will do all that he says, because you won't feel like you need to worship him anymore, or that he's the one true and living God. I haven't explained that the way I'd like to, but uh, I'll try to do it a little more carefully next week as we go through the rest of these verses. Now let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, um, we pray that we would have an honest and realistic view of what's going on around us. Lord, whether this is a great move towards the end of the age, or whether it's just the ruin of our own nation and its freedom and liberties and its Christian heritage, Either way, Lord, this is a horrible and awful thing. And this plague is doing nothing but harming our young people. Nothing but harming whole generations. Drawing them away from any fear of you or or consideration even of you as the living God. Either making them so lost in mind that they can't be reached any longer or making them so addicted that they can't care or bring themselves to care. Father, when we pray against this, when we pray for the overcoming of this plague, may we do it with a sincere understanding of what we're dealing with. Lord, I pray that you'll be with us as we continue to talk about these things. And we pray, Lord, for those who are tempted by them. We pray for those who are, who are captured by them. We pray, Lord, that you would deliver, that you would give victory, that, Lord, you would keep us from temptation, that, Lord, you would deliver us from this plague by your grace. For we ask it all in Jesus' name. Our final hymn this afternoon is going to be hymn number 71, Stand Up, O God, Be Present Now. If you're able, stand and sing.
by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion and fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Amen. Amen.